Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Mary Simon, and I'm joined today by Megan Crow and Erica Slater. Hey. Hey. So, ladies, I watched a movie last week and was having a little bit of PTSD, and I want to set the scene for you. It's a legal movie, which, as I understand it, there was a recent episode on that, so everyone needs to go listen to that. You're going to be jealous you weren't there. Yeah, I know. As soon as I found out that's what the topic was, I was immediately envious. So I was watching one of my favorite legal movies last week, and it came time in the case for a young plaintiff's lawyer who's trying his first case to take a series of corporate rep depositions. And he goes into the conference room and he's all set up with his outlines and his list of witnesses who are going to be produced to talk about, you know, the various issues for this insurance company. And he sits down. He's the only one on his side of the table. And there's like, you know, eight guys in suits on the other side of the table. And he goes to start the deposition. And lo and behold, the witness who he is thinking he's about to depose isn't there. And the lawyer on the other side comes up with, you know, some explanation as to why this corporate rep couldn't show up for the company. And so the plaintiff's attorney then moves on to another name to see if he's there. He is also unavailable to be deposed. And it turned into this scenario where any piece of information that would in any way be relevant or be beneficial to the case in general, let alone the plaintiff's case, is somehow unavailable that day. And it made me laugh because I have been in that exact situation before. I'd be surprised if neither of you have been in that situation before. I see that you're both smiling about it. And it's always a relevant topic for us to talk about kind of the roadblocks that are faced in corporate rep depositions. When I say corporate rep, it's obviously the corporate representative of a company who's on the other side of our case. But I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about specific obstacles that we face over and over again and how we deal with them. How do we pivot and continue forward or do not continue forward? What do you do? You know, in a corporate rep deposition, the first thing that we're going to do is come up with a list of topics. We're going to file a notice of deposition that includes a set of topics. So the lawyer and the client on the other side, they know at least 30 days ahead of time exactly the information that we're interested in asking about, more or less the nature of the type of questions we're going to be asking to get certain information. The first routine obstacle that I see is the either motion to quash or the email you get from opposing counsel that the topics are crazy, way too many that we've asked for, and to try to set a hearing with the court so the court can tell us what we're allowed to ask or not ask in the deposition. How do you handle, Erica, that initial roadblock, which is the objections to your notice? So in Missouri, we do this process much like the federal rules do. So hopefully our analysis of this is very relevant nationwide. So like you mentioned, either a federal 30B6 notice or the corollary in Missouri, you know, you're going to give them a list of topics that you want testimony on 
which feels kind of like you're showing them your hand a little bit, but it really doesn't have to be. I've found in drafting the notice, the topics should be very simple and, you know, reasonably broad, but specific enough so that there can be no argument that, you know, they need to produce someone to specifically talk about that topic. But think about it as identifying topics and making sure that the way you identify the topics Don't send over a corporate rep notice with 50 topics. It doesn't make sense. All you're going to do is get an objection. All you're going to do is, you know, be creating more work for yourself. Send over like five to 10 topics, something like that. Broad things that you can tell that company, I want testimony in this area. So produce someone from the safety department to talk about the policies or produce someone from the billing department if there, you know, some issue there. Produce someone from this department who's going to be able to talk about it. And if you've done your job in that sense and have a pretty tight and informative enough notice, then there's not a whole lot they can do as far as objections. Don't use a bunch of legal ease. You know, just tell them what you want to talk to them about and hope that you get someone who is well-informed on the topics to testify at your deposition. It's very important to understand the rules and the case law in your state surrounding corporate rep depots before you go into them so you know how to notice your topics and you know how to interact with the opposing counsel about what their duty is. So, for example... One thing that I've learned over the years is that when an opposing counsel calls me and says, well, I'm going to file these objections, you know, we got to have a hearing, I just blanket agree, no problem. That's totally fine. If you'd like to put your objections on the record, that's fine. I will agree that all of your objections are preserved. And if we get to something that you think is totally out of bounds from my notice, you can instruct your client not to answer and we'll take that up with the judge later if we need to. So that does a couple things. It stops them from having a tool to impede your taking of the deposition early. It saves you a discovery dispute hassle that just doesn't need to be had at that point. And you will know after taking the deposition if there's anything that they are trying to block you from getting information about and say the opposing counsel told his or her witness, you know, I instruct them not to answer and we'll wait for a court ruling. You may disagree, but it also may not be something that's important enough for you to take up later. So you've now minimized the time that you're wasting on preemptively working out all these objections or taking all these things up in front of the court. So I would really recommend that any attorney on the plaintiff's side don't mess with that if you don't have to. Also, at least in Missouri case law, and I think it may be correct for federal as well, there's case law out there that says the corporate representative, they are not limited to talking about the things that are identified in the deposition notice. They can talk about anything in their personal knowledge. Just if it's a testimony that does not fit into one of the topics, then it's not binding on the company. And that's totally fine. Like, when is that going to come up? 
like you can still play it in front of the jury. It's still a witness who, you know, and what are they going to say? Oh, jury, let me make a distinction for you. When this witness, you know, disclosed that we've been defrauding all of our customers while this case was going on, that had nothing to do with this. And it wasn't binding on the company, even though you heard that testimony. Like what's going to happen? Of course, yeah. Because you can't know what you don't know. So when you're identifying topics, there are certain things that you may learn in the deposition. And if you're doing your job, you're listening and reacting to the testimony and paying attention to what that witness says. And it'll take you down different routes that maybe aren't things you could anticipate in identifying that area of testimony as a topic. So have those rules ready. Understand what the opposing counsel's duty is to provide a witness. There's also a lot of good rules and case law out there about opposing counsel's duty to prepare that witness on the topics that they've been designated to discuss. So if they haven't shared the relevant information in the case or they haven't done their job to go research the things that you want to talk about, they can't just show up and say, oh, well, I don't know that information about the topic. They have a duty to prepare to be able to testify. So those things are important as well. So that is basically Erica Slater's short rules of don't waste your time with any of that nonsense before the corporate wrapped up. Just tell them all that it's okay. I agree with all your objections. Get them on the record. You can block that testimony at the depot and keep moving forward because the 30-day timeline you have for them to identify those people that are responsive to your deposition topics, that will get stretched out to 60, 90, 120 days easily if you don't just plow forward and don't let opposing counsel impede your progress to get to that deposition. I totally agree. Just keep going through and pushing forward at the deposition and not getting bogged down and going back and forth over objections, whether you think they're valid or not. You're going to experience a roadblock no matter what, usually. It's just in what form is it going to take. And you just respond to it and deal with it and push forward. Because when you're talking about making the topics reasonably broad, I feel like that is a safety net for when you get all these objections that that wasn't in the notice. So the broad topics are going to be a safety net for that. But there's also going to be possibly an obstacle there if they object and say they're too broad. And so, you know, then you have to deal with that. And I think that no matter what, it's an adversarial profession. It's an adversarial event. And so they're going to try and do what they are going to do. And we have to deal with it. And that comes from experience, too. Like, I sit here guilty of everything I told you not to do. Yeah. You know, Megan, to your point, it's always going to happen. I have never, ever noticed a corporate rep depot and had zero communication with the other lawyer and just sat down the day of the depot and everything went smoothly. It just doesn't happen. There's going to be issues that arise before the day that the deposition arises. It's just that you have to face them before as quickly as you can. I made that mistake, Erica, and I was in court. And at a certain point, the other lawyer was asking if the judge would ask me how I was going to phrase a question. And if we're at that point and the court's entertaining that, that's never a situation I want to be in. You know, whether or not I can use a certain word like safety in a corporate rep depot. Classic. Yes. We talked about the word safety and I was about to get on my thesaurus and my phone and ask the judge if I could read off some other words. And, you know, at that point, my brain had just gone way too far into a realm of being very impatient and annoyed at getting into that situation and being able to take that and the advice that was just discussed and move forward in a different way to never, ever have to do that again. That's how I'm going to move forward in them. 
I worked on a case where a really large part of it was what the hierarchy was in a certain part of a hospital, who reports to who, who's in charge, who had the final say. You were working at the spider web. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm just trying to figure out who was in charge that day and who reported to who. It was a very simple question of who did this specific person whose name everybody knows in this room report up to in that job that they held for the last 10 years. No idea. Getting a witness who consistently says, I don't know, is no better than having a witness not show up. I know. And you know what's interesting is that you're in the position already. So we're there. We're taking the deposition. And you've got a couple options at that point. When you are faced with the obstacle of the witness who has no knowledge of the company or the people involved in the case or who was in charge of who and who supervises who, when you're in that position, I do think there are a couple different ways you can handle it. Of course, you can just end the deposition if you're really on a time crunch and you've got other stuff that has deadlines. That might be your best option that day. If you've got the wherewithal and the patience within you to say, all right, let's talk about what you do know and maybe start with really rudimentary questions about the defendant or, you know, basic 101 stuff that, you know, everyone in the room can agree on and kind of start chipping away there and figure out at what point you're not going to get any other information. You can do that. Another avenue that I've taken to be arguably just as effective is identify them as a corporate representative. You're here today as a corporate representative of defendant company. You understand you're here today. Talk about all the rules that Erica just went over of every single thing that they were supposed to do before they sat down in this chair and took the oath to tell the truth about these topics. And after you set the stage of that, then identify. You don't know anything about this. You don't know anything about this. You can't tell me anything about this. Run down the whole list and make a record because what's going to happen in a case like that, you are going to be in front of a judge at some point, most likely. The other attorney can stand up and say, you know, we did produce. This is just the information they had. And you need to be able to show the court your notice and the transcript of those five questions saying that this person has no idea about any of the questions you want to ask them about. And when they're not outlandish questions and it's really just, you know, who was supervising who that day, the court will help you move along the process, hopefully, of getting the right person in that spot. And Mary, when you do that, that's like what I wrote down when you were talking, like make your record. One of the requirements when a person is put forward as a corporate representative is that they are the person with the most knowledge on that topic in the company. So if you have reasonably identified topics and you're asking the company through binding testimony, you know, what safety policies were in effect on this day, which is the date of your accident in the company, and they say, I don't know, then start down with, and you're the person most knowledgeable in this company, and your company has no idea what safety policies were in place on the date this happened. That's great testimony. If you're confirming with them that they're the person who has the most knowledge and they say, no, here's the person who knows about this, Obviously, now you've identified a different person who has more knowledge than the person they put forward. You need to make a record on that, and you need to be thinking about asking for costs for the deposition that you wasted your time taking because now you actually need to depose the person who has that information in a subsequent deposition. 
I think that's a really effective tool that you can use if you're having a witness who says, I don't know, I don't know. That testimony can be just as helpful to your case as if they did know, because you should never really be going into a deposition in a truly fact-finding capacity. A lot of times you're confirming things or asking questions in a way that you know the answer already. And so That sounds very ideal. <laughs> I spend a lot of time fact-finding. Not everything, but a lot. <laughs> Surprised often. I feel like a lot of times you kind of generally know what the testimony is going to be. And the fact that they're just sitting here saying, I don't know, just makes them look bad. I was in a trial a couple months ago where the corporate rep was saying, I don't know, to every single question. But what was great is she always followed it up with, I wasn't asked to look at that policy. I wasn't asked to look at that policy. I don't know. I wasn't asked to look at that policy. And it was so evasive that she just came across so bad. And even though it would have been great to hit the jury with these admissions from her, the fact that she was like, I didn't study that policy just made them look bad. Right. And, you know, something that the lawyers at this office will never do is we're never going to stop. You're never going to say, I don't know, and we'll smile and say, thank you so much. And we're not going to pursue whatever that avenue is. We're all going to keep pushing and keep going. And I had a situation in a case about two years ago where I had deposed a corporate rep. It was a lot of I don't knows. I'm not even sure who knows that information. And one of the issues had to do with coverage in the case, just basic information that I really, in most of my cases, I don't have any issues with that. And we ended up having to go before the court and get an order to have someone be produced on the topic. And there was another corporate rep depot noticed. I just noticed topics with a different individual because I didn't get anything from the first one. And about 30 seconds before we went on the record, the other lawyer asked to talk to me off the record and disclose to me all this additional coverage and policies that nobody knew about until, you know, last night at midnight, just wanted to give me a heads up that this existed so I can ask questions about it. And I just smile. Thank you add a little note to my outline to ask those questions. But it just goes to show that we're going to know the answer. We have to. That's our job to do that. And whether or not there is that document that exists that everyone's saying doesn't, or it actually doesn't, we just need confirmation of that. And that's the next hurdle that I face is absolutely no document production. In corporate rep depot notices, obviously you can ask not only for the topics that we've talked about, but you can also ask for document production. Again, you know, Erica, to your point of just keeping it kind of clean and a reasonable list of documents to be produced. And sometimes you can ask for documents related to the topic questions. So it's not a one size fits all. I usually have at least a couple. I took a corporate rep depot last year and the documents that were supposed to be produced were previously in discovery responses. It was indicated that they existed, that there were documents, they'd be supplemented. And I wanted to just get those documents at the deposition. And the individual said that they don't have any documents responsive to that request. And it just didn't sit well with me knowing that at some point somebody said they do and this person said they didn't. And I at least made my record that this individual in their capacity as a corporate rep is telling me I have every single document responsive to this. There is nothing else. And of course, more documents showed up later. But it's a battle to get there. 
And it's just strategic. You know, if you are asking questions, you have to know that every single question you are asking, even if you don't necessarily believe the answer in terms of what documents exist, you have to in real time, you know, you need to be able to ask a question in a way that makes it so obvious to the court or to a jury down the line that something's not adding up here. And that's not in every case. But in the ones where you just are getting inconsistencies in these responses, these corporate rep depots are so significant because this is really your opportunity to have a company be responsive to those questions. I have had an interesting roadblock come up recently with a corporate representative deposition. It's a tractor trailer company that we're trying to get the corporate representative deposition for. We first noticed the deposition pretty early on in the case. And it took us about six months to hear back from the defense attorney with a date for the corporate rep deposition. And this is barring any, you know, issues or roadblocks with objections to the actual topics. This is just a roadblock to get the witness in a chair. And this get is a, a calendar roadblock. Right. And so we're experiencing this for like six months and then we finally get a date. So once we get the date, we resend the notice with the updated date and time on the notice serve it properly on counsel. The night before the deposition was supposed to start, after business hours, it was about 7 p.m., the defense attorney says, can you resend us the depot notice? I can't find it. So we resend it. <laughs> and then the next morning for the deposition, lo and behold, they were refusing to produce a witness. That's because they said that the notice was improper and deficient because we only sent it the night before. Oh, oh God. And we were explaining that, no, we sent this a while ago. We resent you a courtesy copy last night when you asked for it after business hours when you asked for it because you knew that this deposition was today. I mean, there was no miscommunication about that. It had been set. So no witness to this day. This has been about a year now. We still have not gotten another date for that corporate rep. And it has been the they biggest don't have a choice. headache. <laughs> right. right. It has been the biggest headache trying to get this corporate representative depot taken that will probably be a simple hour to two hour deposition. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it, too, is especially for anybody listening to this podcast, I appreciate so much working with other attorneys who can just pick up the phone and talk to me and we're going to get it worked out. We can get it worked out. I can't tell you how many times I have sent an email to opposing counsel in communication about a corporate rep notice where I add another sentence that says, I'm sure we'll work it out. Don't worry. Or something to that extent, because the decision is already made. There's going to be somebody produced. We don't need to fight about it more than what we need to be fighting about. And I like to think, at least in my practice, I like to think that I am agreeable as much as I possibly can be. And I've been in situations before where depositions have gotten canceled 10 minutes before, but I get a phone call. I just appreciate it. You can go about it in ways where it's not as frustrating as the situation you just described. And it just benefits you tenfold in the future when you're able to work that stuff out ahead of time. Now, it still makes the actual deposition, sometimes those obstacles, they're still as frustrating. But the more I have worked with the same lawyers on the other sides of cases, the less these issues come up. And I actually faced them a significant amount more in my first year. 
I bet it was probably equally me as it was the other side at that point, just because of stressing over the words to put in a notice or something. But over time, the more I'm communicating with the same lawyers on the other side, the more they know what my kind of strategy is with topics. I mean, it's just there's only so many times you can, you know, change the way that you're asking for something on the other side of the case. And nine times out of 10, the next time you're encountering that attorney, it's going to be less of a conversation and less of a conversation because you just build this kind of respect for one another. Or on the flip side, if nothing's changing after the second time, you at least are able to get through it a little bit easier because you know what to expect. I should also mention that this depo has been complicated a little bit because we've now gotten a motion for a protective order trying to preclude us from asking certain questions. Wow, (laughs) that one's tough. Well, here's my last point of advice to wrap up this topic. When you send out a corporate rep notice, send it out. Let that be the last time you look at it. Your intention is to get the person across the table that you need to talk to, whether it's the safety department supervisor, whether it's the president of the company, whether it's the risk manager, whoever you need to talk to, get them in the chair. Don't look at your topics again and just ask your questions. Don't ever think that you are bound by the topics that you noticed, anything that that person has information about. I mean, you know, get the information you noticed, but do not restrain yourself. And the same way we talk about how we use outlines, use them as a crutch, do the same thing with the corporate rep notice, and do not let an opposing counsel bully you into sticking to certain words or questions based on how you have noticed your deposition. I think I'm going to listen to this episode the next time that I'm drafting a notice. I think I have two that need to go out and I'm going to have a personal (laughs) goal now to just make it be as seamless as possible. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. Don't forget, you can reach out to us at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and episodes drop every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and check out other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury is Out with John Simon focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.